Bible to the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament. We're going to look at Malachi chapter 2 today as we're moving right along. Malachi chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verse 10, verses 10 through 16. I like these Philippians 1-6 testimonies. I like the idea of us getting to know our people better. You learned about Robbie Hughes today and thank God for Robbie and his life and his story. And last week was Emily Farmer and thank God for what he's doing in her life and look forward to Sunday after Sunday hearing more and more about what God is doing in, in each of your lives. Uh, be ready for us to ask you to come up and do the same thing. You don't have to, but we hope that you will. And um, already now within two weeks, we have heard an emphasis on relationships, right? An emphasis on relationships. And as Christians, we are people who understand we need to be intentional about forming godly relationships. And that means going both ways. And that's why we gotta use the word intentional at times. Obviously, there are a lot of, a lot of relationships that flow naturally. But if your heart's desire is for you to live for God, all right, then you have to have in your life both receiving godly friendship from people and giving godly friendship to people, right? I need you and you need me. We need each other and each other needs each other, right? And we, we understand that. And the Bible just straight up teaches us that we have to be pursuing those things. And now we've only, only done it two weeks and we've heard that from, from both of them and we did not at all ask them to go in that direction in any regard, they, they just went in that direction. Well, it's very fitting because in Malachi today, as we pick up at chapter two, verse 10, this is the very subject that God is addressing, the problems in our relationships, the issues that we have in our relationships. We're familiar with Malachi, we've been going through it. There's this uh, six part uh, emphasis in, in Malachi where God says this about his people and then God says that they kind of question back. They argue back. They make an excuse back. And today we're going to look at the third one of those. Read with me, if you will, at Malachi chapter 2, beginning in verse 10. Have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? Why then are we faithless to one another? profaning the covenant of our fathers. Judah has been faithless, an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign God. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob any descendant of the man who does this, who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And the second thing you do you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring? So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord God, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. 
So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. You know, there's a real strength to why we pick a book of the Bible and just go through it, right? There's a real strength to that. It means that we're gonna cover things that if we were choosing the topic, we would not have covered, right? It means there's some subjects that we're gonna address that we, quite frankly, rather would not have addressed. And here we are today. God gets serious with his people about their relationships. I want to say from the outset today that one of the clearest ways that we can know what our relationship with God is like is by looking around at what our relationships are like. And may we be honest enough to know that we don't go searching for those good, healthy relationships only to try to uh, put a mask over those relationships that we're not addressing, those relationships that we're avoiding, that we are not dealing with, that we're not being honest about. We need to be able to look around at all of our relationships, for we can remember those passages in the Gospels where Jesus teaches that if anybody's about to offer an offering to God and he remembers that there would be one relationship that is splintered, and he remembers that there would be one issue that is unresolved, that there's a conversation that needs to be had that has not been had, that there is a forgiveness that needs to be sought that has not been sought, that there is a problem that has not been addressed, that you would stop what you're doing there before you offer that offering to God, and you would run with haste, it says. You would run, and you would address it. You would say, I'm sorry. Can we talk this out? Can, can, can you hear me? And then come back and worship God through your offering. You remember those passages. And yet here we have in Malachi chapter two, God bringing it up again. I want to show you, I did this last week, but I want to show you exactly what I'm talking about. Look at chapter one, verse two. Chapter one, verse two, I've loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? And this is what the framework of Malachi is. God says something, and then God says what their rebuttal is back, their excuses, their denial, their argumentative spirit, their questioning of God, and it really, really paints a picture of the people not being in a good relationship with God. Uh, chapter one, verse uh, seven or I'm sorry, chapter one, verse six. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name? But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar? But you say, how have we polluted you? And see, either they're being ignorant or either they're making excuses or they truly don't understand what it means to be believers in God. And that's problematic. And then you have our passage today at chapter uh, 2, verse 13. The second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why doesn't he? And that's what we're going to talk about today. If you look at chapter 2, verse 17, you have wearied the Lord with your words, but you say, how have we wearied him? Look at chapter three, verse six. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of God, are not consumed from the days of your fathers. You have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? And then finally, at chapter three, verse 13, 
Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. But you say, how have we spoken against you? If nothing else, right? An honest reading of the short little minor prophet book of Malachi exposes that God's people have a lot of bad questions, right? They are asking a lot of things to God that they ought not to be asking. They should be understanding. And they're asking those, right? And sometimes we try to plead the fifth or act like we didn't know and we say, well, I didn't know. But we know better than that, especially when we're reading the Bible, that these people know better than that. And all six of those questions, right, when they ask something back, they, they know. They're just not wanting it to be that way. They're making excuses. And so we pick up our chapter uh, two message here today, beginning in chapter two, verse 10, and God is still addressing the priests. You remember last week's sermon, chapter two, one through nine, was all about how the priests were wrong. We talked about the priests last week, and that's where we pick up today in verse 10, and God starts asking, have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? He's starting to speak to our relationships and that there should be unity. If we're talking about people, right, then we need to understand that God made us all, right? God made us all, and we need to have a, an appreciation and an honor for human beings. We ought to love our neighbor. We ought to serve people well. We ought to love like God loves, and God speaks to this. If we start talking about the, 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 the spiritual community, right? We start talking about Christian upon Christian, and brothers and sisters in Christ, then we know that it is the defining characteristic of the people of God that we are to love one another. It is the words of Jesus in John 13 that says, the world will know that you are my disciples by the way you love each other. We often teach this. We remind ourselves of this that Jesus says in John 13. So the way we relate to people around us, right? The way that we interact, the way that we handle relationships is one of, if not the clearest ways for us to show Christ is king in my life. Uh, we know how people in the world function, right? But in the family of God, under the lordship of Jesus Christ, who sits on the throne, who gave his life for us, who forgives us of our sins, under his kingdom, in his kingdom, we look at people differently. We look at relationships differently. And this is what he is addressing. So he asks, why then are we faithless to one another? A simple statement, but a strong indictment. Why do we have relationships where we're not being faithful? That's the question. Why are there relationships in your life where you're not being faithful? He uses the word faithless. In this passage, in just these few verses, he uses that word five times. That's the question today. Why? Why has that not been addressed? Why have you not sought that out? Why have you not said, I'm sorry? Why are you not trying harder to do the right thing? Why are you not more aware that God's glory 
is at stake in every single relationship. There is not a relationship you have on the planet with a neighbor, with an atheist, with a punk, with a murderer, with a loved one, with a family member, with some children, with some elderly. There is not a relationship on the planet where God is not desiring to be worshiped in that relationship. Every move you make and every relationship you have is to be for the glory of God. And so when God starts to see faithlessness, when when he sees that we're being faithless, he asks, why? He says, why then are we faithless to one another, profaning the covenant of our fathers? There are ways that God has taught us to relate to people. We have boundaries. We have rules. We have guidelines. We have instruction. We have parameters from God in this book of how we are to be in relationships. The Bible says that we are to love our enemies. If you have an enemy, you ought to be figuring out what it looks like to love them, right? The Bible says that we are to forgive, forgive and forgive and forgive. And if there is some grudge that you're still holding, then you ought to be seeking what does it look like for me to offer forgiveness in this situation, right? The Bible says that we are to humble ourselves humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that we would not find ourselves arrogant or proud or thinking that we are anything. For those who walk in pride, God is able to humble. My first point today is that being faithless dishonors God. Being faithless dishonors God. And God is now going to address it. And you can see where all of the rebuttal comes from and them asking these questions back because apparently they aren't really desiring to honor God. And there you see the heart of the matter. Their desire is simply for themselves. And as long as things are going okay, it doesn't really matter if we've got some faithless relationships. If you're still making your income, and so you're able to still live the pretty little life you've got, doesn't really matter if there's some faithless relationships here hanging in the balance, because you're not concerned about the worship of God and the honoring of God. You're just looking out for you. You're just wanting to make sure that you're okay. We're not wanting our lives to be uncomfortable. But when you are a child of God and a follower of Christ, God has placed inside of us this new and living heart that over and above my desires is the glory of God desire. Over and above my comforts or my pleasures, if you will, is a pleasure of God, living for the glory of God. God places that in us, and so there is an unsettled or an uncomfortableness or a a conviction, if you will, that this relationship that is Uh, dishonoring to God where I have been faithless bothers me. I can't just run away from it. I can't just move to another town and forget about it. I can't just cut that person off and never speak to them again because I'm thinking about God in this. I'm not just thinking about me. And so it is crystal clear that if you're not really wanting to honor God, I can see how you just cut people off and ignore people and burn bridges and move on and burn bridges and move on. Uh, That makes sense. 
if God is not your glory. But for those who claim to be the people of God, for the church, for the followers of Jesus in this world, for us, this matters to us. And so God teaches that being faithless dishonors him. So the first thing you and I need to consider this morning is, does that matter to you? Does it matter to you if God can point out that there are some relationships that are not honoring to God, that there are some uh, ways where you have not sought to honor God? Now, don't get me wrong. Life is hard as can be, and that's what I'm about to get to. So I'm not saying, hey, if y'all go home today and make a phone call, life's gonna be pretty in flowers now. Not at all. Every single one of us have some issues and some relationships that are strained and difficult, and it's not so easy, and I know that. But it's on our mind. It's on our heart. It's a concern of ours. It's a burden. It's something that we're praying about. It's definitely not something that we're running from or trying to avoid. We do not want there to be one single area of our lives where the Lord would say, you've been faithless. Now, we could go on and on with areas that are faithless. We could talk about our money, or we could talk about our, our living. We could talk about how lazy we are. We could talk about the things that delight us that shouldn't delight us. We, should talk about, we could talk about the way we should be uh, working harder. We could go into so many areas of, of being faithless and how all of that dishonors God, but I don't get to choose what the sermon topic is actually about when we walk through the Bible and God says, let me just speak to Relationships. Let me just speak to relationships. Now, you know that already in Malachi, he didn't speak to relationships, and he spoke to sacrifices, impure, ungodly sacrifices. You offer something to God that you shouldn't be offering to God. And and see, that's faithless too, and he addressed it to the priests. But in this passage today, chapter 2, 10 through 16, God focuses in on relationships. And so, my first point today is being faithless dishonors God. And so now we want to see how God speaks to that. Verse 11, Judah has been faithless and abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem For Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and has married the daughter of a foreign God. The first relationship that God says is happening among his people is that they're marrying people they ought not to be marrying. They are marrying people that they ought not to be marrying. When I read this, I start thinking, I know we don't want to hear this, but man, we really, really need to hear this. Think about how few of times you have actually heard a parent or a mom and dad say, y'all should not get married. That does not have my blessing. Think about how few of times we've had that. Think about how many times you've seen somebody get married that you shouldn't, they shouldn't have gotten married and you wish they hadn't got married and before long it shouldn't have. And think about, just think about how much time and energy and effort and money has been wasted on that. Where God is saying here, one of the clearest ways that you can tell that your relationship with God is splintered is because of your faithlessness to God, which I'm seeing in relationships. And the issue here is that God's people, his covenant people, are marrying people that they should not be marrying. The people of Israel 
were to marry people in Israel. They were to marry people who loved God. But actually, it was to be that the people of God were to marry people who loved God. And they were not, not, not to marry somebody that did not love God. And so I want to point out right here that God's covenant faithfulness is to be mirrored in the marriage relationships of his people. You know that, you've been knowing that, and God is wanting to call us to live that to practice that, to preach that, to explain that, to model that, that God's covenantal faithfulness, the way God is to us, is to be mirrored in our marriages. The way God is to his bride is the way husbands are to be to their bride. The way the bride is to God is the way the bride is supposed to be to their husbands. That is what God wants to see happen. And when honoring God is your chief desire, then that becomes easier or better, or that becomes possible by the power and grace of God working. But when you get outside of that, you have all sorts of problems. I do want to point out today, just because some of you may be thinking it, that the problem is not foreignness as such. The further and further we go back in our country, the more and more this needs to be said. The problem is not foreignness as such, but devotion to a foreign God. Such a spouse has a different spiritual father. So often we have literally, literally said that marrying somebody from a different place or with a different skin color or with a different accent or whatever should be forbidden, and that is wrong. God is not saying that. And I know people who will push hard against that. But when their child goes to marry somebody who does not love God, they don't push back. And they say something like, well, I just hope they're happy. That is backwards. That is wrong. That is not of God. And God thankfully brings it up, which we would not bring up. And so we made this hard decision to go through the minor prophets. And it's taken us all the way through 12 minor prophets. And we get to Malachi here, and he's saying it. And I'm thankful that God is saying it. God's people had gone and started marrying people from other nations. And the problem isn't that they're from another nation. The problem is those people don't know God. They don't believe in God. They don't live for God. They don't know about his word. They don't care about his word. They are not trying to live in a way. So what was happening is the whole system was breaking down. One commentator says this, spiritually faithless marriages have far-reaching consequences that Malachi's audience had probably not considered. And if that ain't the truth for today as well, right? Moms and dads and grandparents all over the place are encouraging and even paying for their children to get married and they have not considered the far-reaching consequences of where this is going. And God, thankfully, is able to say it. And God does say it. It's not the only issue that he brings up. But I want you to know that this is also what the New Testament teaches. And so while there is a sense in which we're thinking right now, okay, this is Old Testament, this is the people of Israel, but I, I, I want you to know that this is what the New Testament teaches too. And you've heard some of these passages before. 1 Corinthians 7.39 says, A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes. Listen, only in the Lord. Your freedom to marry, whoever you want to marry, is only available to somebody else who loves the Lord. The Bible says you should not be marrying somebody who does not have the same view as you. 
It does not worship God like you do. That's 1 Corinthians 7. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it says it even more plainly. It says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? And so God is saying that their faithlessness to God is seen in these relationships. And so he starts to address it. But he addresses it two ways. One, that they're marrying people that they should not marry. But the second one, look at verse 13. And the second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why doesn't he? Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit. Let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So the second thing they were doing is when they found themselves in a marriage that God did approve of, they got out of it. They ended it. They divorced. And God is saying, you can offer sacrifices and do your prayers and do all the things you say you're doing for God, but I've got two real examples that my people are not living for me. You're marrying people you shouldn't marry, and the people that you should marry, you're not staying married to them. You are not reflecting the way I am to you. And the goal of marriage is to be a witness, a sign, a message to the world of how loving and faithful God is. Relationships display our faithfulness to God or our faithlessness to God. That's why we've got to be honest and open about all of them. Or you could say it this way, listen to me. Broken fellowship with man often is a pointer of broken fellowship with God. Broken fellowship with man is often an indicator of broken fellowship with God. If there are some relationships that we're okay with being faithless in, then that's most often an indicator that there's a more important relationship that we're okay with being faithless in, and that is not good. God's covenant faithfulness is to be mirrored in the marriage relationships of his people. And so, God God points this out, and we find ourselves going, well, that's heavy. That's hard. At times, that's that's awkward. And, And so, it brings us back to Well, do we believe God enough that we'll listen to him? Do we believe God enough that we will listen to his advice, that we will listen to his instruction? That's what it really comes down to. And the the principle applies that this does not just mean marriages. This goes for friendships. This goes for just family members. This just goes for any relationship where we have been faithless. We have not represented the good upright, honest, true faithfulness of God. It could be lies. It could be uh, uh, um, um, uh, your 
inability to be depended on where people are depending on you, right? There are a lot of ways that we can point out that we've been faithless. And this speaks to where our heart is with God. But as we start to see that God points out these two types of relationships, these two types of marriages, we must be honest and say, will we listen to God? Will we take God's advice? Will we seek and aim to do it that way? Relationships display our faithfulness to God or relationships display our faithlessness to God. And for that, we need to be taking this serious. Over the past couple weeks, I've been pointing out in Malachi that God is pushing us to take him seriously. That God does not want us to be indifferent toward his ways. And one of the things that is so very troubling is when we have been indifferent. Now, I want to point out a few things here. So look at verse 13. They have enough focus on God that they are upset. It says there's weeping and groaning because God does not accept their offering. They are wanting to have devotion to God, but God doesn't accept their devotion to God. God doesn't accept their, their, their lives, their witness to him. God doesn't accept that. And why? Even though they're bothered by God not accepting it. They even ask, God, why not? God, why aren't you accepting my offering? And yet God would say, because you are not listening to me. You are not heeding my warnings and then putting them into practice. You're not coming to God and saying, God, who should I marry? You're not coming to God and say, God, will you help me with my marriage? You're not coming to God and say, God, what do you want me to be like as a husband? God, it is hard to live with this woman. Will you help me with that? Because God, I want to be faithful to you. God, I want to love her. God, will you help me with that? Because this is hard. She gets on my nerves. She frustrates me. She irritates me. I think she's doing these things on purpose. God, help me with that. God, help me see what you see. God, help me to understand her. Help me to get out of my head and get into her head. And so that brings us to the idea that we know that marriage is hard. Don't you know that? Marriage is hard. And the Bible wants us to know that it is very hard. And the Bible talks about it. It speaks about it all, all the time. And I want to read to you. This is a book from Danny Aiken. Great, great book. But he just speaks to this just a little bit. It's, it says this. John Gray became a household name and an overnight millionaire with his best-selling book, Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Perhaps you've heard of that book. In his books, he struck a chord that resonates in each of us. Men and women really are different. We think differently. We see things differently. We feel things differently. We are different and different by design. It is the way God made us and the way God intended. He did he did make us male and female and declared it a good thing. However, John Gray, in making his argument, did not get it exactly correct. Men are not from Mars, and women are not from Venus. Men are from Earth, and women are from Earth, and we have to deal with it if we're going to make marriage, sex, and romance work. 
Most marriages that get in trouble do so not over to big things, but over to little things. And we have talked about this in every single premarital counseling session that we've ever done. It's not the big things usually that ruin marriages. It is super, super small things that pile up. These little things are often grounded in male and female differences. We do sweat the small stuff. Dorothy Rosby in an article entitled, It's Living Together That Makes Marriage Difficult, which is an awesome book title to begin with, tells the story of the woman who shot her husband because he ate her chocolate. She writes, I probably read that about that incident with a Hershey bar in my hand. At the time, I may have even thought he had it coming. But now that I think about it, even I, a confirmed chocoholic, think shooting was too extreme. Absolutely, right? She then says this. It truly is the little things that destroy relationships. Margarine, chocolate, nylons on the towel rack, hair in the sink. I once heard about a couple who fought for more than four hours over a rubber band. He had it, she wanted it. It's the little things that happen when you're living together. Part of the problem is that God made opposites attract. Savers marry spenders. Nitpicks pair up with slobs. Early birds team up with night owls. Opposing idiosyncrasies come together like weather fronts when couples live together. Dorothy Rosby is right, Aiken writes. It's the little things, what Solomon describes as the little foxes that can sneak into our relationships and do serious damage. Quietly unnoticed and yet effectively, they destroy the tender fabric, the tender vines and grapes of our relationships whose health is essential for a happy and satisfying marriage. If marriage is that difficult, which I think he's correct, if it is that difficult and that trying and that challenging, then you need to admit boldly, I mean out loud at lunch today, we need God to help us with our relationships. You need to say that to your enemies. You need to say that to those you fight with. You need to say those that make your blood pressure rise. You need to say that to those that make your blood pressure rise. Whoever it is that stresses you out, whoever it is that gets you to start yelling when you think you're not a yeller, whoever it is that makes you start griping when you think you're not a griper, you need to say that out loud. God, help us. We need help. And this is what he's trying to draw us to. That they are being faithless in their relationships and that's a sign things aren't right with God. Well, church, we cannot be those who are okay with our relationship with God not being right. We want him to be honored. Well, what does it look like for us to live faithful instead of faithless? Well, that means that in all things we are looking to God, we are desiring to honor him. And so that means to the watching world, listen to me, that means that to the watching world, or rather to the watching home, because I think about how often just our own little communities are so splintered with faithless relationships. It means that to the watching world, we Christians should be known by our repentance, our ability to say I was wrong, our humility, our brokenness over our sins. It means that we stop thinking about that we think we're good, that we hope that they see how good we are, that we hope we see, they see how much we do for them. I can't tell you how many times I've heard somebody voice, I just hope they know how, good, how much good I've done for them. I hope they know how much energy I've given toward them or how much money I've spent with them or how much I've done for them. I hear people say that all the time. Y'all, that's not a Christian witness. That's a good person. 
It's a small little percentage of a Christian witness, but it's not the main thing. The main thing of a Christian witness is that we repent. It's not so much that they see the good we do. It's not so much they see the bad we do, although that is a horrible witness, but that's not it either. Our Christian witness, faithful relationships as opposed to the faithless relationships, is that we are a repentant people. That by how we humbly respond in brokenness, how we humbly respond in repentance when we are wrong. Whether you are desiring to honor God is not seen when you get her flowers. It's not seen when you cuss her out. That's not it. If you are wanting to be serious about God, it is how you react and handle the hard times. Is the spirit of God inside of you making you sensitive to God's glory here in this situation. That is the characteristic that Jesus is Lord of our lives, that we're able to say, can we talk for a minute? I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? I should not have said that. I should not have done that. I should not have acted that way. And you deserve better. And to the extent that that's not who we are, then we're not being faithful to God. I know you do a bunch of good, and I know you do a bunch of bad. But our Christian witness is in our repentance. It's in our need for Jesus and recognizing our need for Jesus. It is knowing that when he hung on the cross, it was for all of those ugly scenes. And so we believe in the work of Jesus on the cross for to be our savior, to forgive us and change us. And that desire for God to be worshiped in us is now what shapes our relationships. Number one, being faithless dishonors God. Number two, relationships display our faithfulness to God or our faithlessness to God, our faithlessness to God. And I don't even know if faithlessness is a word, but I've been using it all sermon. And lastly, number three, God is faithful. In all of the ways that we have seen faithless living, we have seen faithful living in God. And to the extent that you want to be a neighbor or a family or a dad or a husband, look to him. God is faithful in those situations. He is truly a good father to us. Is truly a good husband to us, the church, his bride. And as we will get a vision of him and keep our eyes gazed on it, the faithfulness of God will, by his mercy and grace flowing, will cause us to be faithful. But please know that it is his faithfulness that is the standard, not ours. And it is because of Jesus Christ who died for us that we can be forgiven of our sins and then empowered by grace with forgiveness to go and try to be faithful. Listen, let me go ahead and remind you all, none of you all are gonna be as faithful as God. None of you are. That means in every single one of your homes and in every single one of your marriages and every single one of y'all in your parenting relationships, like I've got a whole bunch of them, in all of our relationships, we have been faithless. Let's just go ahead and admit it. Don't walk out of here today going, he, he wasn't talking about me. Josh, there's some people that really need to hear that one. I'm glad you did. No, 
I'm talking about you, I'm talking about me. Every one of our homes, every one of our marriages, every one of our parenting, we have been faithless, but God hasn't. He's been faithful. And if you will trust in him, the power of God flowing through Christ as your Lord and Savior will empower you now to be faithful by his grace. And when you're faithless, he'll empower you to be repentant in it. And then we will have a witness to God. And then we will live for God. If you're here today and you'll admit that you've been faithless, praise God. Praise God. And then say, Jesus, help me. I believe that you forgive my faithless life and, and I want to live for you. Help me to be faithful. The awesome thing about God's faithfulness is that it extends so far that you and I can admit that we've been faithless and he'll let us start afresh right now. For every single one of us, we can go into this Sunday afternoon, first day of NFL, by the way, this Sunday afternoon, seeking to be faithful and honest about where we've been faithless. Every one of us can do that. Today might be the most honest conversation in your home that you've ever had if you'll just say, I've really been dropping the ball. You have been longing for a better husband. You've been longing for a better wife, and I've not been it. And I don't know if I'll ever be it, but I want to be. Please hear me. I want to be. Tell him that. Tell her that. And then say, can, can we ask God to help? This is what it means to be faithful. If you're thinking about marriage, your marriages that have been a struggle, your marriage that you're in, the marriage that you're approaching, let me give you three simple uh, tips. Number one, do not enter into marriage lightly. If God says that, don't enter into it lightly. It doesn't get, it doesn't get easier. It's tough. It's awesome. Val and I are coming up on 15 years, and I would not change it for anything. Love being married to her. I still want to kiss her every time I see her. I still love to hang out with her. I love the mom she is, the wife she is. I love, I love her. But marriage is tough. Don't enter into it lightly. Don't marry somebody that you shouldn't have married. Don't marry somebody that you don't want to stay married to. Hear God's warnings. Count the cost before you get married. Talk to other people that are married. Get all the advice you can. Go through premarital counseling. Do not enter into it lightly. Number two, do not give up on marriage. Once you're married, do not give up. Seek help. Don't go find an attorney and, and end it before you have asked tons of people to help. Seek out a pastor. Seek out a counselor. Seek out somebody else that's married. Seek out somebody that will listen. Do not give up on marriage. Fight for it because it represents God. Not that we're good. It represents God. It represents the way God is faithful. And so we're, we're willing to fight for that. We're willing to admit that we're wrong. We're willing to bring somebody else along, another couple, and say, help us. And then thirdly, bring God fully into it. Literally say in front of your spouse, hey, what are all the things about me that, that drive you crazy? Hey, what are all the things about me that you can't live with? What is it that irritates you about me? And let me hear from God. Bring God into it. Say, hey, can, can we ask Pastor Josh to give us some scriptures on what the Bible says about marriage? And, and let's start looking through it, okay? So number one, do not enter into marriage lightly. Number two, do not give up on marriage. And number three, bring God into it. Folks, if we're talking about relationships, then God wants us to hear. We can see our faith in our relationships. Don't act like that's not true. That's what God is saying. We can see God as our Father in our relationships. Let's know that. Let's accept that. 
and in the grace of God and in the humility. Let's go live faithful because he's faithful. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for Malachi chapter two and the warning to guard ourselves and not be faithless. But God, we have to admit that we have been faithless and so we thank you for Jesus. Father, we pray today that through the book of Malachi, we would truly be instructed about what you want our lives to be like. And Father, as I've said two times here today, we in our marriages are to mirror your faithfulness. Father, we pray for your help in this. For God, we admit, every one of us, that marriage is hard and we struggle with it to be Christian. But That's why we need you. Thank you, God, for bringing up a conversation that we've been avoiding for far too long. God, work in our hearts now, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.